Hello everyone, I'm Michael. And I'm Casey. And welcome to Put That Record On. This week we're spinning Titanic Rising, Wise Blood's fourth studio album from the year 2019. So please join us around the record player, sit back, and enjoy. Yeah, so this album, um, I'm in love. Yeah. I'm See, in love. I, Are you in love? <laughs> I mentioned it last week. All I did, did before this podcast was like, you'd really like this. You should listen to it. And then you would just be like, I, I almost want to like scroll back in the messages wherever you may have sent it because I remember you sending it and the only reason I know you sent it before is because Titanic Rising like triggered a little ping in my brain like you've read that before <laughs> somebody said you should listen to this I I know I didn't I don't <laughs> trust <podcast>. them <laughs> This podcast is really just for you to actually get me to listen to the albums you recommend. Again, I'm just trying to help. <laughs> I like know you well enough to be like, I can figure out music you'll like. Yeah. No, this is so good. I, oh my gosh. It, and I, I don't have, this is such a mood, this album. Yeah. Oh, well, it's a mood. And <laughs> it's a mood. And it's a, a mood I didn't have an album for before, if that makes sense. The closest mood I could find would be like Lana's Norman Rockwell. That's an album that I would be very happy to put through the old review box because I, I love that album. But yeah, it's got a, I could see the vibe. Yeah, yeah. And I, I compare some of this to uh, Lana's work, but at the same time, it's also very different. Mm -hmm. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, they have. Like Lana's got, I mean, Lana's always had this like very California pop thing going on which mm -hmm. that side of lana is not present inside of this album no no the the haunting vocals i would say is like the only like the only comparison i'm really finding if that makes sense yeah but anyways we, we digress uh we uh start off the show like every show talking about the most important part of the album which is the cover ah yes i almost forgot because i haven't drawn this one yet <laughs> At the time of recording, I have not yet put my own crappy cartoon spin on it. Uh, this one's gonna be this one's uh, gonna be a little harder than last week's. Yeah, uh, think. <laughs> <laughs> last week was nice, clean lines. I could have fight John last week's pretty badly. You could have. <laughs> this one, absolutely not. I wouldn't even not take a stab at this. This is a uh, just a. It's a piece of art, really. Um, I feel like this mm -hmm. this album, like when you, you know the like rolling stone like thousand albums before you die lists type things and you scroll through and there's like all these iconic covers on there and you're like i you just see the album and you're like yeah i've seen that before yeah i know which album that is i feel like this falls in that category i mean once you know it you know it it looks like a painting there's so much you can draw from this like like a painting everyone can view this and look at it differently mm -hmm. which i mean is beautiful because most album covers it's like a just a picture of the artist and you're not there's nothing you can really draw from it no you you, you can see that there's meaning behind this and especially once you listen to the album and if you're listening to it and then you look at the album cover you're like oh and you're making connections that you don't you can't even like verbalize but they go together yeah which i mean is the sign of a good cover a good cover kind of says well this is the mood of the music behind it and this one does it so well. Those, I mean, we'll get to the songs that I feel like just match this cover perfectly. There's, I mean, there's so much in here. There's, uh, 
I mean, first of all, it's just a really cool and cool picture. It's not Photoshop. They, I, I'll have a link in the show notes where one of my photography blogs actually was talking about this because it's a whole underwater set where they actually put all this stuff underwater and took the picture underwater and wait, really? Had to get the lighting right underwater, and it's it's complicated. Th- this is a photo. Yeah, this is all real. They're underwater. Holy mother! I thought. Yeah. <laughs> I could. I I looked at this, but I only ever looked at it on like my tiny phone screen on Spotify, mm. and I just assumed it was either just like a, like a su- more severely edited photo, and you like you added in like a water reflection and all this stuff, and oh, I don't even know. That's awesome. That yeah, there's a couple behind the scenes things on this album cover. It is a com- it's completely an underwater set that was taken in a in a swimming pool. They they built it out. They took it underwater. It it's good. It's real good. I'm speechless now. This it's so pr- it makes it so much prettier. I feel like it's one of those covers. Like again, if you're in a record store and like you're looking through all the music and it's like oh boring cover, yeah, boring cover, but and then you see this and you're like, I Ooh. I kind of want to see what's going on with this. Oh yeah, this oh, and it's just so pretty. The like the colors are vibrant, but also just I don't even know. Like I guess yeah, vibrant. There's like the it's mostly bright blue, but then the curtain just really stands out. And then you actually like focus on the picture, and you're like, oh, that's interesting. Because I mean, it's blatantly is underwater. Whether you thought like me, thought it was photoshopped, <laughs> or you, <laughs> you then look into it and find out, oh no, <laughs> maximum effort was put into this. Yeah. I mean, there's just, like so many little trinkets in here, like too. It's not like there's a teddy bear on the bed. Like, I mean, the we'll get into the like nostalgia side of this thing, but you know, it is like a childhood bedroom with like, you know, kind of like at a middle school, high school age where it's like you've got these old posters on the wall. You've got the you got the teddy bear. You got a little speaker system on a on a cabinet that's crumbling. You got light out of the window. Like each of these is a metaphor. I as an Apple note, I have to point out the power book that's sitting on the on the table there. <laughs> That's the only time we'll get to talk about power books on this show. Yes. Is the power book like, is that their, I'm trying to remember the power book. That was the laptop of the 90s. Um, Was that the one that was like, no, because that was early 2000s, the colorful one. The power book was just like that chunky white laptop or is that the iBook? I think I'm thinking of the iBook. That was the iBook. This is pre-Steve Jobs kind of making everything colorful. This was, this was like early to mid 90s power book-ish. Yeah, hence this very small screen, huge. It's a chunky laptop. Anyways, yeah, the, if you haven't seen the cover and or you haven't like taken, if you haven't found the bigger image of the cover instead of just the sm- small Spotify version, there's a lot going on. There's a lot of fun, other you know behind the scenes pictures. I think just in the album in general, they had other takes from this of you know kind of just swimming around the set. So. Like, I want these as, like, a poster or something I can hang up or just the vinyl. <laughs> I want to keep looking at it. It's a perfect album, co- absolutely perfect album cover for this. Uh, the, hi- the highest marks that we will ever give to an album cover, really. <laughs> Probably, yeah. <laughs> like, I-, I feel like, again, if this was, I- it was very critically acclaimed when it came out in 2019, but if it ever was on those long-time lists, this, I feel like this will fall into the iconic album cover c- category. I'd put it there. I I can't name many other ones where I feel like it just does so, so much for the album. So. All that said, let's get into the songs. I did want to mention the one topic slash theme that I had for this. 
Oh, yes, you're right. This whole album, and we it this covers the this is for the album cover as well, just has a massive nostalgia vibe to me. Everything about this, the music has nostalgia elements, the lyrics scream uh, some of the songs scream, you know, wishing for a simpler time. The cover, because of the childhood bedroom, just the whole thing is wrapped in this I mean, it's and it's done well, this whole nostalgic feeling for the for the album. It's yeah, it's a nostalgia blanket. I don't even know how to describe it as nostalgia, because I know you're right, but at the same time, like the whole album I just felt like I was floating, if that makes any sense. <laughs> That's what the underwater picture is it's one of the things that signifies it is you are floating, you know, your water is very floaty, you kinda of just float in the water. A childhood bedroom is longing for a simpler time. The music, there are vibes of lots of early 60s and 70s bands, you know, music that a lot of us kind of view as nostalgic. You know, it's the, it's the sounds we heard when we were young, so they are comforting now. The lyrics of certain songs just scream out that they are... Remember when times were simpler and this was an easier thing to do and now it is something that's kind of taking over you and you kind of just long for that old old way just in in certain times that theme is just i mean it's it's obvious but it is but it's presented very well Uh, yeah i mean i wouldn't call it obvious just because i didn't the word nostalgia is not something that came to mind because i i do agree with you like i after you pointed out it's like yeah there is that nostalgic vibe but like the elements that i got from the longing for the past, I didn't catch them as nostalgia, but I did catch them as longing for the past or thinking about the past and wanting to go back there. That's kind of what nostalgia, that to me, that's what nostalgia is. It pretty much is. I guess to me, like, I always think of nostalgia as like specifically childhoody, as in like you, you pick up a toy that you had as a kid and you get, you know, a wave of it. But I know that nostalgia goes beyond that, and that's just my own thing, is that I specifically associate it with childhood. Yeah, I mean, it could be, it could be anyone's nostalgia, really. Mm-hmm. So anyways, moving on to the songs, of which there are 10 tracks on this album. Is it just me, or do you, find, do you also find 10 tracks to just be like the perfect number of songs? I mean, it totally, totally depends on the artist and the album, but I love 10 track albums. <laughs> 10 tracks it's 40 about i think 42 minutes mm-hmm. yeah it we'll talk about it more you probably when we face longer albums that I, we feel like we can cut songs out of but there's a reason i mean besides the actual physical size of the vinyl that 40 but you could only go about 45 minutes but the album was built around being 45 minutes and we've all kind of accepted that as a sweet spot. There are definitely, that is not to say that it has to be 42 minutes to be a good album because there are albums that are 60 minutes, 80 minutes that I thoroughly enjoy. (laughs) Yes, I agree. But it it, it totally depends on the type of music you're listening to. And I think this one just had, I wouldn't call it a story, but like you exist in that album for 42 minutes and it's perfect. And we'll get to it, but then I immediately want to listen to it again. <laughs> it's got that going on. And there's a lot of things we'll get. Each each song actually kind of ho- plays a pivotal role in this album. So there are greater themes I do want to talk about, but we'll talk about them when we get to the songs that really describe it for me. Mm-hmm. So the first song on this album is t- entitled A Lot's Gonna Change. 
I really like it. it I love the the haunting synth opening. It kind of gets you in that mood. It gets you in the mood of the album. And there's actually the melody in it is the melody for the song, the you're going to be just fine. Melody is kind of hidden inside of there, which I like as a little metaphoric. I like the metaphor of the, that you're going to be fine is hidden in this kind of synthy opening. Like if you, if you look for it, you'll find it and it's going to be okay. But it's not kind of obvious that that's there. No, and it doesn't last long. And then it like drops off. And then this like gentle piano comes in, which half of me was expecting that the piano would continue longer in that gentle sound. Like it comes in and then her vocals start. And I was like, wow, this is so pretty. Like I could stay here for a bit, but it it actually doesn't. She builds on that pretty quickly and builds into like a more full band uh, sound. I almost I, I couldn't tell if it was an orchestra or if it was just band. I was listening for strings and I couldn't find them. They might have been there. Um, this whole album, we're going to get to layos on layos on layos on layos. There's a lot of strings. There's a lot of layered strings. There's a lot of layos in general. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So sometimes it's there. I don't know if you caught the piano codes. The thing that stood out to me on the piano codes was it's a very spicy progression. I didn't specifically catch it. And I know that because I didn't write about it. <laughs> <laughs> the first thing that st- stood out to me with the piano was not that this is beautiful, which it is, but it is spicy. <laughs> <laughs> like a lot of pop songs and those songs on this album that fall into this just use basic chords. One of my demises of pop music is just like, I mean, there's, there's a time and a place for just D and E and A and, you know, you can do that. Um, this one's spicy. It's... uh. It says, I, I wrote down the progression. It's a C sharp major seven to a C seven with an A sharp in the bass, which is very spicy to go from just to drop from the one to like this weird seventh that's not really in the key. I would say that I guess maybe I didn't call it spicy. And that's just why I called it beautiful was because it was different. It was mm-hmm. unique. It was not just your basic piano line. No. Yeah. And it. It also does so. It says C sharp major seven to C seven with an A flat and the oh, A sharp in the bass to an E diminished, which again E diminished is nowhere in C sharp, but the whole song is in C sharp. So E diminished to a D is to a D sharp minor seven to an A sharp. But if you also noticed at the end of each phrasing, the A the end of, the ending with the A sharp is only in that first line the next line it ends in g sharp the next line it does a g sharp nine to a g sharp and then the following line it ends in an f sharp minor so every single time in that progression she's lowering the last code which i find fascinating Hmm. because usually in a code progression you loop it most pop songs you loop it yes um or if you're doing a descent you do a descent kind of obviously somewhere just as a like a little line you don't usually change one code in your progression and just lower it by a, by a step each time, right? So next time you're listening to it. Uh, yeah, I want to pay attention to those ending chords. I mean, the idea of... So I, I listened to this song and this, this immediately had that floating, drifting in the universe, universe feel. I think it's interesting that she does drop the piano at the end each time because it's like... This song is a lot about the past, so it's just like you're falling back into it. Yeah. Just right at the beginning, right off the jump. And something I want to ask, I mean, you were paying so much attention to the, you looked up the piano chords themselves. I found the piano, 
that um, she jumps back into at the end, um, because the end of the song is quite different to me from the rest of it. It sounds very different. It ha- well, and if it, and maybe it's all this, the same, but it's just a, quite a different sound. I don't know if you noticed how it ends. Yeah, that's a bright. That's a much brighter piano. Oh, it's. It might. Is it? It's either mm-hmm. brighter or like tuned, tuned a little sharp. I may, it could be tuned a little sharp, but that does definitely sound. It is different than the the start of it. I'll give you that. Yes. Yes. That that was what I noticed from it. Is because it it like comes back. The sound drops off and then she comes in with this. And I guess this is the time to mention that her name is Natalie. <laughs> I kept calling her she throughout all of my notes. And I was like, what's her name? Like, <laughs> so Natalie. And yeah, I just noticed that it just had a different feel to it. One of the things that is very present, and I didn't note it on this song, but now that you mention it, it applies here too. She's very good with outros. Oh, yeah. Every song. Every song had a different way of ending and a unique one. So it's like, normally I'm someone who's listening for the transition or because I'm curious, I'm like, how, how are you tying these together? Is it just going to like end and then you get a new song? Or are you going to have a transition that makes the whole album one song? Or what she does, it was just so unique is she actually, I, I think just puts, she puts a lot of thought into how she wraps up a song. Yeah, and it's not the normal like, just add more instruments, have a grand finale ending. It is. We're going to switch up the... We're, we're actually going to give you something you haven't heard in this entire song. Mm-hmm. Which is fascinating and really nice. Like, it's... But it's hard to do. Like, yes, you have to actually put a lot of effort and thought into, well, how do you... If I just told everyone over the last four minutes how the song's supposed to go, how am I supposed to switch it all up and you're not like, is this part of the song? Just to kind of lead into the next song, I mean, you mentioned that the end is a brighter sound. One of my notes for Andromeda, getting into that song, was that it has brighter notes, like a brighter sound to it. And it wasn't what I was expecting because the last song was so a little floating through the universe type, but not in a bright way, in like a you're just drifting kind of way. And now you come in and it's... uh, there are happier sounds. I wouldn't call it a happy sounding song, but you kind of expect, you expect it to continue in that. And then all of a sudden it has these bright notes at the top, tops of lines. There's a lot of happy sounds on this album that I would not describe any song on this album as like explicitly happy. No. <laughs> there are a lot of emotions in this album. <laughs> yeah. No lack of emotions. No. So... Uh, I didn't have a vibe for the. Do you have? A, did you have a vibe for the first song? I don't have vibes for every song. I have vibes when I feel a vibe. I don't. I don't have. I actually didn't have vibes for every song, and I think it's because the. Whole, I felt similarly throughout most of the album. Um, I also. I think I was bad about putting the vibe up in there, and it's kind of just like blended into my notes. But the floating through the universe. I think I mentioned that. Like that. That was off the cuff. <laughs> immediately, I felt like that, and it's. I stayed there. There was a couple songs I could have written that the vibe was just the cover of the album. To me, it was this song. Mm-hmm. So this song was my, it's the vibe is the cover. This song, this was actually the song that I heard before I heard the album. This is the song that led me to the album. Interesting. Like normally I, I, I don't think intro songs are the ones you find first. Well, this was, I mean, this is the, the second song. It's not the intro song. 
Oh, oh, you're back. You're on Andromeda oh. now. Oh, oh you, sorry. You said the first song for Vibe, oh, and sorry. I don't think you. I don't think you necessarily clarified. Maybe I missed it. Sorry. Yeah. So Andromeda, much more common to have the second song. We've moved on to Andromeda. Yes. We are. We are now officially on Andromeda. <laughs> yeah. This was the song I hold out of context. Gotcha. That makes more sense. And was like, ah, I'm gonna go check this album out. <laughs> Need, need to listen to more of that. Now, um, I'm curious, is Andromeda a star? Galaxy. It's a galaxy. Thank you. I could not remember. It is the nearest galaxy to the Milky Way. Thank you. I was like, I know this is something to do with outer space, which I just thought was interesting because my vibe for the first song was floating through the universe and the next song is entitled Andromeda. <laughs> <laughs> then you get to the universe. You floated a long way. <laughs> a long way away. <laughs> this song is so dreamy all i could write mm-hmm. is it is dreamy there are this is the first just leo after the chorus definitely so many leos and each leo just kind of shows up effortlessly none of them like feel first they just like each one like comes in what they come in like one by one and they just but they all rush in and they're all there at the same time the thing that gets me on this song i i think is the slide guitar which is such a flex Okay, so I've I wrote a lot about country twang. Is that the slide guitar? Yes, a slide guitar okay. is usually used. Um, the yes, country uses it the most. Yeah, <laughs> it's not a country song by any means. No, not at all. Not at all. But <laughs> it works so well here, and I don't know why. Well, so a slide guitar is can be a dreamy instrument because it is. I mean, it's sliding. It, it's I mean, you get the effect in the oh, song, right? Mm-hmm. Like mm-hmm. it, you don't have these harsh stops and starts. It is, you're, you're just, you're sliding from one note to another. And so you get the whole <laughs> transition in, you know, when you switch sides and that hence you're floating, you it it gives this, this dreamy feel to the song. That, that makes a lot of sense. Cause I mean, my first thought, I was immediately country, country twang. And I was, and I literally wrote, this song isn't country at all. But the only time I had heard slide guitar, now that I know what that is, is in country music. This was um this is where my first Lana comparison came in, and it was simply because I think it's in the chorus, Natalie sings Stop Calling, and how she sings Stop Calling and what the music is doing is exactly like Lana singing Blue Velvet. <laughs> it's lower <laughs> i don't remember how stop calling sounds in it i think it's a little higher it is higher but yeah that that was my first thought when i heard it <laughs> my favorite part of this song is the pre it's the pre-chorus to the sec the second chorus the second time through it and this is one of my favorite things in any song is if you do like a first verse and first chorus, and then when you come through the second time, you add to it. Mm-hmm. Oh, I love that. Because, I mean, it's a, just a neat way to build the song without just simply like building the volume, if that makes sense. Yeah. Or, like building the power. Oh, you know, if, if you don't, because if you don't change it, it's, it's not that it's boring. It's just like all you're getting is more words. Yes, I, lyrics are good, but I'm not here just to listen to a pop a poppy um, code progression with just lyrics over it because I'm, I only care so much about your lyrics, right? 
You you are not a lyric a lyric guy. <laughs> no, but I mean, most pop songs the lyrics aren't too deep. No, I spe- well especially in pop songs. Yeah, this isn't a pop song, but it. I mean, it's still a song. It's like the words. It helps the word the lyrics out to have musical ideas building in the back. It allows them to to stand out more as their own. Like you actually pay more attention to the second verse, whereas in a if it's musically the same, you're just like, oh, okay, it's this, it's another verse. I'm not going to remember it at all. Can we get back to the chorus? Because I know that. Which is why in a lot of pop songs, you have the first verse will sometimes have two, two segments to it. You'll do a chorus, and then the second verse will only have one segment. It's actually kind of rare at this mm-hmm. point for there to be a full second verse. Just because nothing changed, everyone's bored, and they just want to get back to dancing to the chorus. Yes. And so the, the way that they fixed that problem was not make the second verse more interesting. It was make the second verse shorter, which is not the correct way about it. I think uh, that's enough of us pooping on pop songs for... Full right now. <laughs> but anyways, the, the pre-chorus is you have each line with a, the slide guitar riff. So it's something better than nothing. You have the little slide guitar. Or, or so that I thought, a different slide guitar riff. Now I know it's just one dream. Same slide guitar riff. All these others going to tear me apart. And then it's a slide guitar with a keyboard riff in it. And then every single chorus layer floods right in, kind of like water. And it is so good. (laughs) I can't wait to listen to this album again. (laughs) No, because the layers of the chorus, that second time in, because they're coming in, the slide guitar and the keyboard that was introduced in the last chorus are now here for the chorus when everything else comes in it is it's so much stronger that second chorus Mm -hmm. also i'm completely embarrassed to say that i did not realize the lyrics in all three choruses were different until last night when i was reading the lyrics and that they tell a story oh really and i feel so so bad about that (laughs) she does that actually in a few songs where the the lyrics change i i guess well it's because she has Pre-choruses and choruses blend f- to me. So I think mm-hmm. in a lot of her songs, her choruses are like a line, kind of. But like, it's mostly, pre- it's mostly pre-chorus and the pre-choruses change. The way she uses bridges, pre-choruses, choruses, refrains, and verses is fascinating because they are not anywhere near what I would consider normal. No, it's much more story-like. She has no rules to how she's going to use these even inside the same song. But yeah, the, I did not notice that the chorus lyrics were different every time, which again, just real good like takes on how to write good music that, I mean, I obviously didn't notice it, but people who like lyrics, a lot of fun. <laughs> that you can oh yeah, that you can put different phrases inside the same melody to tell a story that doesn't distract too much from anyone like me who's listening to it not paying attention to the lyrics well something would stand out so stubbornly right i want to make a note about the end of the song because we already talked about her outros this one i i I was trying to think of a way to describe it it sounds something either out of a cartoon or more like twilight zoney basically i wrote that the um the twang was morphed and sounded almost alien like extraterrestrial in a little bit. It was like, it was just so different sounding from the rest of the song, but that's what she's been doing with her outros. Yeah, it's just a, it's a very different way to end the song up. And she's, her soundscaping is also, I think, just another theme throughout this album. Her sound, the soundscapes of this album, 
fantastic. All right, should we move on to the next one? Every day. Every day. I don't know how I feel about this one. I don't dislike it at all. Um, I gave it the highest mocks one can give a song. <laughs> oh, really now? I guess maybe the only reason I would say, not, not use the word dislike, but what made me question it is that it's a completely different vibe, and I was loving the vibe before. Yeah, so this one... This takes you out of it. Uh, it, it ke- so when I was saying nostalgia music, this one is my nostalgic music. So I think there's a lot of nostalgic lyrics in the, in the first couple of songs, but I wouldn't call the music behind it, the floatiness, to be a callback to 60s or 70s music. No, not at all. This, this one does, because I wrote that in here. You've got, you start off with this, like, low piano that makes you just want to snap your fingers along to it and, like, pull your cap low, and then moves on immediately from that. <laughs> but that's how she starts. It's catchy. It's uh Oh, it's very catchy. It's a, it's a different vibe. It's th- it, there's a lot of things about this that just make it nostalgic. I love the voc she uses the vocal as an instrument with the ahs and the oohs throughout the voices. This was the first example where I feel like she was manipulating you know, co- what a chorus and a verse is. So, she has this like it's like this fake chorus. It's not actually the chorus. It sounds like the chorus, but it's only it's half length. And then it immediately goes into the second verse. I didn't pick up on the, the, the length, the chorus lengths. I think I, I was just very distracted by it musically. <laughs> I was. <laughs> the whole time I felt like I was falling into like a Ritz Cracker commercial or something. <laughs> you know, she does the, it gets me every time. And then again, I might be falling down, sailing off. So she goes right to the sailing off on my ships to nowhere, which is the second verse. Mm-hmm. But there's a the second time through the refrain, she does the then again, love's not easy. And when she sings that in the second refrain, oh, bridge or whatever you want to call it, then she goes into the chorus. And she only goes into the chorus when she has that line. But the refrain, the, the whatever, the bridge, you, whatever we're calling it today, the bridge shows up multiple times in the song. Even in the um, the third verse, she does the you never let it show. The other night I was at a party. So even in the third verse, she does one line out of this pre-chorus. And the music hmm. is the same as the pre-chorus. Everything's the same. The, the melody, the music. But she dives into it for different lengths of time, depending on how she wants to tell the story. It's a very cool way to have a, you know, almost a musical motif of the song. and insert, But she inserts it so effortlessly to be able to make it sound correct i mean i didn't notice at all yeah you, you might want to go back this and listen for this the music and the melody change completely but she's able to play either one line of it two lines of it or three lines of it and it doesn't sound bad going back to where it was going well i think that's kind of like me not noticing it it's like it didn't feel weird it just worked whatever like she's doing it all worked together yeah, no, it works perfectly, but it is just fascinating how she uses it. I don't know what... I'm, I'm like, mad at my notes here for this one, because one of my bullets is just the bridge. <laughs> the bridge. Like, okay. <laughs> well, what is the bridge? All, all I wrote was the bridge. I mean, I wrote it because I liked it. I know that, like... <laughs> but I think I... When you say bridge, do you mean the bridge bridge? Do you mean the chorus? 
Yeah, whatever bridge like stands out as a bridge, I guess. I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) This is okay. This is only episode two. I'm going to like a mental note I'm taking now is that when I'm listening to these songs, I also need to like pull up the lyrics and then also just like look at the structure of the song and how it's going together to like aid in my note taking. Because I actually started doing that right before we, you know, started recording for a few songs. I wanted to find the lyrics to put something down. It's like, oh, I want to point this out musically. What's the lyric that's going over this? Like, where is it in the song? If I couldn't catch it, because as we've mentioned, she's not traditionally structuring her music. It's making it more difficult (laughs) to figure out where you are. I had to go through this album once, only with the lyrics open, once musically, and then a couple times just like, scratching out general thoughts yeah I, I went through just with code progressions and lyrics last night right. yeah the 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 lyrics i just started pulling up because there was there's some things i wanted to look up but yeah i all i wrote was the bridge so whatever bridge you find there's a good bridge in here there's at least one really good bridge in here <laughs> I th- and i think the bridge the bridge you're talking about is actually the chorus i called the what were the bridges um choruses because of how they kind of came up but when you listen to it the other way because that the way it shows up in the third verse, that's not the chorus. Interesting. You might be right. I have no idea because I did not take a detailed note there. So I love so things I, I want to mention. Um, the violin. I like I like the violin in the song. Comes in about eighty seconds in. Love it. Um, the claps very nostalgic. Just to have clapping and the chorus. One hundred percent Beach Boy vibe. It is actually a Beach Boys chorus. It has to be. <laughs> I knew it was reminding me of something. I just couldn't pinpoint it. Because, I mean, it was the Beach Boys that really kind of started that whole da-da-da-da with the with vocals. Oh, my God. That, oh, yes. Okay. Like, I like that stood out to me as music I had heard before, like something classic, but I could not put my finger on it. I couldn't. I was like, is this the Beatles? Like, <laughs> like I couldn't. That Yeah, that one's the Beach Boys. Yeah, but it just adds to this nostalgic where there's the Beach Boys, there's the violin, there's the clapping, there's the the vocals, and then the ending guitar, the outro again, it's different, but the ending guitar loop is right out of the late 60s as well. I could be very wrong. I compared that to Queen in my head. My head was like, that's Queen. <laughs> it's, I mean, Queen Queen used it too, and it, but I mean, late 60s, early 70s, that, that style of music but that's what this whole nostalgic song I feel is doing is it's just grabbing all these musical elements of what a lot of us listen to as kids and building a, a different song out of it. Yeah, I, it, it, this song stands by itself on the album. Yeah, I don't dislike it. I'm just upset because I want to be back in, you know, floaty universe land. And this is not... It, <laughs> As a musical person, I love how this song presents itself musically. I like the floaty dreamy land too, but I also, I mean, with any album, you don't want the album to be single note play. No, no. And I, 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 I think this is really good. I think this is really good where it is too. Mm-hmm. And I'm glad this was the only one like that. I'm, I like this, yeah. d- this song, more of this style wouldn't work. But I, I think that when you're looking at the album as this whole nostalgia trip, this song fits right in. Yeah. It goes to the an overarching theme of the album, which is, you know, you, you're not... I mean, the next song really dives into it, which is just like, you're not feeling like yourself, right? This, this whole, like, 
almost depressing feeling. But inside of those episodes, you definitely have days where it's everything's okay and like more cheery, right? And so I feel like in in the album, it is nice to have that song to to represent that that section of it. Yes, and if you're going to call any song on this album happy or cheery, it is this one. I don't actually remember exactly how how this one outros, but I think it I mean, it ends with the it, it does end with that um classic 60 70 guitar and instrument type thing that's going on, right? Guitar instrument and also different lyrics with a different melody. It's the lay down my guy for a short time. Hot cannot see. Hot cannot see with with a melody behind it. It's a completely different melody for the outro. Fascinating. Quite fascinating. If only I could sing. <laughs> that, would help, that would help me out a lot. That's what you inserting little clips are for. That's true. I could just be like, and then play the actual over it. Yeah. Just directly compare yourself. Yes. No, overwrite <laughs> myself. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, fourth song. It's called Something to Believe. What's funny is I meant to make a note of it before, and I meant to make it right in the opening track um, of who Natalie reminds me of vocally, and it's not in every track. Specifically in the first one, I felt like she's a mix of Sarah Brillis and Joni Mitchell. And the reason I actually want to point it out is I wrote, you know, back to Joni, like back to Joni Mitchell. <laughs> and I think that she's got this like, she her voice can be quite deep, and something that I get from Joni a Joni Mitchell album, oh, other than a good cry. I <laughs> <laughs> have one. one. It, yeah, it, it's just this. It's just such a beautiful, deep sounding voice, and I don't actually know how to describe it other than that. <laughs> yeah, this is another one of those like Leos. I. The uh, the way that the pre-chorus builds into the chorus is so good in this song. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. It's so nice. And I don't actually remember the pre-chorus, but once again, she has like a drop-off where it just goes quiet and then comes in with the something to believe line. And I, I felt like that line specifically, you are just like out under the stars. It's just kind of peaceful and floaty. But like that's not the feeling. You don't get that until the something to believe line comes in. Yeah. Well, the, so the pre-chorus line is the living on the fault line, and then that goes right into the chorus. the The line of the waters don't really go by me hits so hard. <laughs> that line is delivered so well. I know it. I know it was delivered well because I remember that line. <laughs> don't really go by me. Oh yeah, that's that's super Joni Mitchell sound. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that specifically <laughs> and the way the bridge just is it's it's more beat like the because the chorus comes in and it's like there's something to believe and then the bridge comes in and is like didn't always do it right might have left the heat on high and, and but it's a little bit more popular a little bit more again just kind of ragtimey not fun lyrics but the music is compared to the way the chorus is like it's got the slide and the arpeggio the arpeggiating it, guitars. It has the, the slide is back. Yep. But yeah, it's a kind of a mix of the everyday poppiness and then the um, Andromeda slide. It's, it's a little mix of the first two songs, which is... I mean, it's a mix of the first three songs, really. They're all kind of here. Which is really neat that it, it still ties in like that. The only other thing I have in this song, um, other than I really like it, 
I liked the uh, ending code progression, which I don't know if you caught that either, but I, nope. I, I, I come chiming in with code progressions. Let's just hope some music nerds listen to this. It's the, uh, it's just a four, it's a four, three, two, one, but usually you don't code progress that way. But she did. I liked it. <laughs> but she did that. Well, usually you just send notes, right? You do, you just go four notes in a row. You rarely do four key, the four codes down like that. So, uh. You have anything else on the song? Uh, no, I don't. I liked it. Fifth song. I actually <laughs> wanted to highlight the fifth song, Titanic Rising. In terms of the, mu- the structure of this album, there's two parts of this album. There's really two full song albums on this. Yep. That was a note I was going to make at the end of the, the album. <laughs> it applies to that song as well. Every, everything that applies to Titanic Rising will apply at the end too, which is just a beautiful transition from one section of an album to another section of the album. And none of the songs that we're going to talk about after this and none of the songs before this could be swapped. Nope. They are completely different um, vibes. They are completely different moods. But the way Titanic Rising draws you to the next section, which is, I mean, it's very nature documentary, underwater. It just, you can almost feels like you're swimming from like one mood to another or you weren't in the water and now you are. Some mixture of that. There's a nautical guitar in here, very much that reminded me of Echoes a lot. Okay. I, I don't know if you hold the right at the end of the song. There's this. Do you know the song Echoes by Pink Floyd? Don't put me on blast right now. No. Um. I know <laughs> that I know that it's a Pink Floyd song, but I'm not picturing it in my ear holes. <laughs> okay. Anyways, it's it's got this very distinct guitar tone, which I would I would call a nautical guitar, where it's just this, this weird sounding, high pitched thing. I was distracted by the beginning of the song, so I didn't. I don't know if I ever fully appreciated what it turns into. But the first half of the song, so the first like fifty seconds, you could just sing the opening to "Cosmic Love" by Florence and the Machine over it, straight straight up. It was on a whale. Oh yeah, the a falling star <laughs> line, like just because the song starts. I immediately just started singing it out loud the first time I listened to this song. There's no words here. There's nothing. There's no words. There's no words. And then there's me singing other lyrics. Get out of here with those. <laughs> I'm sorry. It, it's, what, what happens in my brain? I don't, I don't try to stop it. <laughs> what happens in the brain stays in the brain. Which is upsetting because this is an intro- instrumental song. And because it triggered a song that has lyrics, I now put those lyrics into it. Okay, get those out of here. That's just the problem with my little broken brain. <laughs> get those on out of here. <laughs> At least Cosmic Love is a good song. I think it's Cosmic Love. I actually didn't look that up. I'm like, oh boy. I'm just pretty sure that's what it is. Whatever the, if, wherever Florence, Florence sings A Falling Star, <laughs> okay. that's the song. But anyways, this transitions very nicely over to movies mm-hmm. the first half of movies is also underwater so titanic rising just kind of brings you here the first half of movies is muse what are you talking about <laughs> <laughs> so i don't like the first like 15 seconds of the song i think it's cool but it's on it's so unnerving it's so unsettling oh if you if you just picture yourself like at on out, outdoors at a live muse show it gets you so much more hyped <laughs> well so i don't did you so do you, you hear in the first before the vocals start do you hear what's going on with with behind the arpeggios 
Oh yeah, that's very it's super uncomfortable. <laughs> Whatever that is. <laughs> Almost sounds like a like a creaky ship though that's panning left and right. Yeah. Oh, it's so neat. Cuz the arpeggios is what you really hear, but if but yeah, that that's the only other thing happening. I uh I bought some nice headphones and so those de- those details now are much clearer and boy, that's oof. I mean, I I think my headphones are good because I certainly picked up on it and I was like, that's interesting. But I was like, Muse. (laughs) It's just, you hear synth arpeggios and no other band ever ever figured out how to do arpeggios (laughs) on something other than a piano. Okay, let's, we've, we've made it very clear. I don't exactly expand my palette musically, even though I totally should. Um, And so there may be uh, many other bands that do that, but Muse is the one I know. They're very good, okay? You, you highlighted this song, so I, I was going to let you speak. I did. I forgot. I mean, I think the only reason I wanted to highlight it was because I loved it so much. Okay. <laughs> Back to Leo City with this whole thing as well. Harmonies in this song. That's, that's in a bunch of songs. The harmonies are so good. They're real good here, though. The chorus harmonies, the, the put me in a movie and everyone will know me, has so many layers. And other sounds added. It just, and it's so slow. I, I said it real fast. Because um, you can't really sing how slow this was. This is a very slow song. Which is weird because you've got these quick arpeggios throughout pretty much the whole thing. If not the whole thing. But she sings very slowly over it. It also just builds very gradually. Yeah, oh, it's, it's a slow build. You don't even notice it's building until you're like, oh, oh, we're here now. Before the break, there's like this wall of synth sounds comes comes in, and then it breaks into this violin and drum section. I called it a spritzy violin. Behind that, there's a synth rise behind that that fades to a vocal rise. There's this vocal behind it that just, there's, there's so much energy, so many, I mean, and there's layers on layers, like... Mm-hmm. Oh, there's so much happening. Listen to this song 15 times, and you can listen to a di- different section of music in here there's a lot going on (laughs) oh yeah i i was trying to like figure out lyrically why this one really hit and i i don't know if i i have yet but i just really like she has the the end pretty much is like i want to be the star of my own movie and i think the whole like beginning of the song and what she's been singing before is like how much she i guess essentially loves or thinks about these movies like how much of an impact they might have had on her and it's like and i want that for myself like i want that for my life but i could be making complete uh i'm just pulling it out of the my rear <laughs> and, and also I, I i wrote down i um i i don't know if you count this but the whole violin section i could count this as a different uh, as an outro Kind of, yeah. I mean, she has a very... This song, for the actual outro, is very sudden. She actually ends the song, the sound bite. <laughs> it's like you clicked off an old TV or radio. Like, you just shut something off. You literally just picture... You can picture a TV screen, like an old TV screen shutting off, and, like, the black bars just come and, like, compress on the, you know, the sizzle. That This was one of the outros that stood out differently because it... I immediately pictured a TV shutting off, and this song is called Movies. <laughs> I, I feel so bad, because the, the first month I was listening to this album, it was usually around here where I flipped it and like stopped and went back to the start, which is bad. That was bad of me. Are you saying before or after Movies? 
right after movies. Exactly. Because I have not spent that long listening to the album. And if we move on to the next song, the only thing that I'm going to say can say about the song is this has to be my least favorite song on here because I lose interest and I don't remember it doesn't stand out and I end up like I don't know I don't know what it is about the song I don't think there's anything wrong with it so I don't like it it's my least favorite um and mm-hmm. that the, it is hard when you aren't telling yourself to listen to an album it is easier in this context where we're saying we listen to the albums and now that I've listened to the whole album I like it but of course, whenever you hear it, we should mention the title. The song's called Meal Forever. But it is a problem when you get a new, a new album. Like, I, I, you know, when I hold Andromeda and like download this album, it was like, okay, I'm going to listen to it. And the first songs are so good that you kind of want to go back to them. It is hard to be like, well, what was after that? Definitely if you have a slower song. And in my time, thankfully, I got through Meal Forever and the stuff after it is really good. And so now I listen to the whole album. But Right when I was getting into it, and I had no one to tell me what was after me or forever. All I did was want to go back to Andromeda. <laughs> the one thing that I do not actually like of me or forever is the drum riff in the chorus. Okay. Because the drum riff goes back and forth between the left and the right speaker. Oh, did not notice. <laughs> so usually you don't pan drums. You pan a lot of noises. You don't usually pan drums. And definitely a, a drum beat. So it's a... You know, you have, it's a full bar drum thing and it goes left and then right speaker. It's not like a panning. It is strictly in the left speaker, strictly in the right speaker. And then in the third round through the course, it doesn't have the drum, that drum pattern until right at the end of it. So like, I actually like the third course the most because it doesn't have that drum in it. Well, I mean, if you think about it, quite literally a reflection, she's kind of playing on that with the drum. Yeah. It's just, I don't like it with the drum because it, it off because the too drum, harsh. Yeah, the, the, well, the drum is harsh. So just having a it all in your left ear and then all in your right ear and then it just goes back and forth and back and forth. Like it's not like I mean a game of like pong or something where you have it's a quick sound effect. Like, ding, ding. like you can. That's why usually those are the sounds that are panning. Yeah, if you listen to it again, just listen on that drum riff going back and forth. I I don't like it. <laughs> I meant to keep listening to it, but I, the when I tried to listen to it again like the album again, once again, this is where I just kind of like drifted. I couldn't focus on it. Like there was nothing that was grabbing my focus. Yeah, this song is, um, yeah, I don't have much to say. I, I do like the, the, the what is it, in this situation circumstance is a very good catchy melody line in the chorus. I like that. That, st- that sticks out to me. I, I, that one actually gets stuck in my head from time to time. And the bridge is nice. I, I like the bridge in the song. But the... It's the only part of the, of the album where there's actually something musically that don't, like, I don't like too much. So, yeah, I don't have much to say here. Nope, that, that's it for me. I have like, no notes other than like, <laughs> But right after Real Forever, I, I gain interest again, so we're good. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. So I am thoroughly- I like this one. I'm thoroughly convinced, and you cannot convince me otherwise, that this has to be an unreleased Joni song. There's no other, I have no other answers for this. I did not notice. I haven't listened, like... I have been meaning to. It's on my to-do list. I need to go through Joni's discography because I haven't. Mm-hmm. My, my entire jo- uh, Joni discography is Coton Spark and Hygiera. And I know she has very different albums. Every, every of her albums was different. But to me, this, that's what this sounded like. 
Yeah, I don't know, even know what it sounds like to me, and I'm once again, I'm, I'm struggling to remember it. This whole thing's a folk song. Yeah, I, I said, I, I mean, I really like the chorus, specifically when she sings It's a Wild Time. I wish I had put a note into why I really liked the chorus. <laughs> I need to just get more detailed. I think I mean to like, I take initial notes, initial reactions that I mean to like go fill them out. But then like I look at them, I'm like, oh, I have notes on this song. And then <laughs> what am I doing with these? What, what are they for? I really liked all the piano roll offs right after each phrase. In, not after every phrase. Yes. Every, every not after every phrase. And I, I think I know exactly what you mean because I wrote down, so um, broken and moving. So it's the end of the second line, um, I believe in the pre-chorus. She does like a little drop off, like specifically with like, the, a chord progression on the piano. Um, and it's broken up. So she sings broken. And then the other time she does it in the song, um, she sings the word moving. The whole the piano throughout this whole song is adds this very nice flavor because it is a folk song, but it just has this really nice you know the it's not, definitely not a piano song. The piano is not doing its normal job of being the main part of the song, but there's a lot of scattered piano that just adds this very nice um, touch to the song. Um, I really liked the the electric guitar that came in um, to switch over to the bridge. It modulates a little bit. The bridge is different. Like it just Switches you electric. Here's a bridge. Goes back to um, folk, and the ending. It has another really nice outro difference. This is just another really nice. We're doing a bunch of stuff with the song, and then the bridges and the outros are. They just have their own take, but they're still within the context of the song. I swear, she's telling a story with every single song, and you have very distinct parts. And that, I, like, the endings just don't match the beginnings. No, you're somewhere else by the time you're finishing the song. I thought this was a, a pretty solid song. Do you have anything else on this one? No, I don't. Because you highlighted the next two, so that means you get to talk about them. Yay! So the ninth song on this album is Picture Me Better. And let me tell you, when this song just yeah, pulls out your heartstrings, <laughs> you're just... I just want to cry. And it's weird because it sounds so romantic, and it is. And your first thought, if you're not listening to the lyrics, is I could see this being like a wedding song, like because it just sounds there's so much love in it. I said almost has a Disney feel. Yes, but you listen, you listen to this lyrically. It is all about lost love and past love and remembering. And it's just like when you <laughs> you're, you're hearing it and you just immediately like think about these you would think about someone in your life that used to be there that you loved so much, but you don't have them anymore for one reason or another. And this whole picture me better, it's like the, it could have ended poorly, like things might have not worked out, but you're still reminiscing about the past with them. And now it's like, look how far I've come. Look how far you've come. Like we're, you know, that type of thing. And it's like, if we were still together, how would we be type of thing? So it's very sad. <laughs> There's a lot in here. I, uh, I, I got the vibe of rooftop meanderings. That was my vibe. That's a very different vibe, but... Oh, very. I mean, my, my vibe is imagining a slow dance on a dance floor, but you're crying at the same time. That's your vibe. I don't listen to lyrics, so... 
Yeah, if you don't listen, if you don't listen to the lyrics in this one, is a very different vibe. <laughs> Please, no one, no one make this your wedding song. To me, the the pre-chorus line, the "You've got it all in spades," is so calming, and probably my favorite, like possibly my favorite hook on the album. I love that line. The whole pre-chorus is good. The whole chorus is good. It's got layers on layers, and I was actually gonna give I was gonna give this song a five, and one thing in the chorus got me to move it to a six. Do you want to guess what that one thing in the chorus is? I don't know. If it's what I highlighted, then I get it. But what what did you highlight? I don't remember if it's in the chorus, but when she when <laughs> the waiting for the call, and I I just love the harmonies in that. It's just I get I get straight up goosebumps. That that's part of the dreamy layers in the chorus for me in in a folk song, mm-hmm, right? Mm-hmm. Yes. Mm-hmm. To me, it's that the ending of the chorus ends on such a spicy note. <laughs> <laughs> you love your spicy notes. No, I didn't. I am not picturing it. It is so spicy. I don't. So I don't like bring up the codes for every song and then listen to the song and I'm like reading the codes along. I only bring up the codes if I hear something and I'm like, whoo! <laughs> that was this. That that is an. It is an A-sharp 7 flat 9. You know it's you know it's spicy when it sounds that complicated. No, when it's a flat 9. Music theory is not something I took nor studied and I know none of it. So a flat so a flat 9 is the ninth ninth key in the scale. So of course the eighth is the same note over again, right? So eighth is A-sharp. The the nine is a C, but a flat nine is a B. So you're playing the A sharp and the B. So that's, that is. Oh, it, oh, that, hello. <laughs> yeah. It's like, <laughs> you don't play those two notes at the same time. No, not normally. Not normally. And you're playing the seventh along with it. So it's not even like distant. It is like you're playing this whole thing. And then that actually resolves into a C sharp with a G sharp in the bass. So it's this weird now, out of it's not in the key of the song, and it is the A sharp seven flat nine is so spicy. So if you when you're listening to the end of the chorus, that is, whew, that is my favorite. It just sounds so so good, but so like like I mean, <laughs> your A sharp and your B is, is are gonna rub against each other like <laughs> musically, and you can hear it completely in the lyrics. Oh, in the in the harmony, in the like what how she's singing it, and so I was like I'm. <laughs> You're getting a you're getting one point up just because each time that comes in the chorus, it's so, it's so spicy. I have to I'll have to listen to that more for sure. Like I I guess because I'm not I'm not listening to it in the same context of like the key where it is so much, which is weird. I feel like I would, but like I don't know it, and I I think that I I appreciate it because it sounds really cool. <laughs> But that is not something that I am like focusing in on. I think I was very, I was just very distracted by the lyrics in this one and how it just like, I thought it was going to be this romantic, like love song, but it, and it is, <laughs> but it's very different. <laughs> it's this spicy. Yeah, I couldn't hear that. It's spicy. Cause I mean, you're playing like yeah. these. Like that. You think I could hear that, but I can't. <laughs> I just want to play music. I don't know why you can't hear that. Your mic is just too good. It only picks up vocals that are, you know, within a three-inch radius. <laughs> Turn the mic on. It. 
so <laughs> so spicy. Ah. This song I really wanted to play on a turntable. I wanted the scratchy turntable sound to listen to this. It had an old-timey feel to me. I, see, I'm, I'm still in the Disney strings. I, I don't listen to lyrics, so hello. <laughs> I mean, okay, it's a good thing we don't listen to the same thing, so this would be a very one-note podcast. <laughs> no, no, this is an A-Shop 7 flat 9 podcast. <laughs> this is why I need to actually take notes with the lyrics, because I am listening to them. Because it took completely, because it will completely change a song for me and how I feel about it. But I think that's all my note, all the notes that I had. Same. I just want, picture me better. I, I just wanted to talk about the the spice. <laughs> you just want to talk about the spice, the paprika of this song. I'm so spicy. What was it? A sharp. A sharp seven flat nine. Okay, I was right. I was getting there. All right. Um, so moving on, I did. I wanted to highlight the last song, and I think it was for similar reasons that you wanted to highlight Titanic Rising. The tenth and last song on this album is called Near, Nearer to Thee. And like Titanic Rising, it's completely instrumental and it's very short. And uh, it comes in all strings. And it's playing the same tune that opens the album. Yep. That melody's still there. Yep. And the melody comes right back. Because it's calling right back to the beginning, it kind of makes me want to listen to it over. And I love, I, I adore when melody licks are sprinkled into multiple places in an album, or in some artist cases, multiple places in multiple albums. Ah, but- <laughs> some, some motifs. I love some motifs. Some motifs. I love, I love me some musical motifs, and that's what this one does. And it's, it's very short. And the way she ends it is like, it's such an interesting chord to end an album on, because it, it is not a resolving chord. The sound just kind of like you're getting somewhere. It's like you're basically you're mid-sentence. Yeah, I don't know. And that's it. I don't know if you... So I noticed the same things. That's exactly what I wrote, so I'm not going to repeat it. Um, but to me, it was... I did the thing where I just did play next on the album while it was in the 10th song, just so that it keeps going. Just goes back to one. And it, and I think it mat- it does do a better job in that sense because you're mid-sentence. So going mid-sentence to the first song of the album... Matt, it works there. Oh, yeah. And especially because you're having, it's the same tune or the same tunes are right there. They just go right together. You can play this album in a loop. The first time I listened to this album, this, I had it set on Spotify without meaning to, but like just play in order. <laughs> and then it started the album right back over again. And I didn't even notice. I was like, wait, wait, I have heard this before. Oh, it started the album over. And I, I, li- <laughs> I like stuff like that. I liked, mm-hmm. if you, Dream Theater did this, but they had every album end and then the next, the, the next song on the next album would start from where the last song of the last album ended. Oh, that's so cool. <laughs> I, lo- I love that. The same album too. That works. That works just as well. Um. <laughs> yeah. I mean, because it did that the first time I listened to it, I actually didn't appreciate how the song the last song ends on that that note because like if you're trying to think about it in a context of not starting the album over it just leaves you on such an ambiguous like you like it leaves you with such an ambiguous feeling it loops so well because titanic rising drags you into the second part of this album this song drags you back up to the first section of the album Mm -hmm. so you have these i mean this kind of continuous loop 
you almost have an off loop because you almost could put this song at, if you put this song at the start of the album it would work and so you would just do yes that song yeah into but four i songs. like that it's on i like that it's on the end i like that it draws you right back to the beginning it's like you sunk into your past and now you're coming back out of it and then you can sink right back into it yeah it's it's very nice very well done yeah i love this album a lot i yeah i i like it too i am I like the way it's structured. I, I, I love the, I mean, we talked about having the 10 songs. It's really eight songs. I like that the split four, four, it's very, very even, very nice loop on it. For rating and stuff, I am, I, I, I gave this a very comfortable six. I was very happy. With, oh, yeah. Very happy with a six. I was like, oh, yeah, that's what this is. I, oh, yeah. So for so many reasons, I don't need to question much about it. And as we said last time, six, six and seven is kind of interchangeable. It depends where you are, when, where you are. They're the same thing, um, I, but I'm very comfortable. I would, gi- I would almost give it a seven if I... Um, I the, the bit that I do not like is, the as we talked about, the Mio Forever bit of... I, as much as I do like listening to the whole album and it loops very well and everything about it is perfect, I, I do feel like the first half of the album is stronger than the second half. Simply because of that song. I, I don't like how I lose focus there. Like I wish, I wish Mirror Forever was something that dragged me in as much of as every other song did. Yeah. And if if that was the case, I this easily a 7 because because of how much is here. Losing interest is just the the first half of the album is just so strong. It's so so strong. Um almost to a detriment. Like at least the the stuff on the end that's also good and also very, pretty strong. Uh I still wouldn't say it's as strong as the stuff at the start of the album, so like there is a weighted difference on it. It's because Andromeda has all the weight, <laughs> at least for you. I also really like Every Day, so I mean, you've you've got. Yes, you do. I appreciate it more now, especially because you're you're pinpointing more of like how it was making me feel with the nostalgia factor. But it it does it's it is very different. To me, it still stands out as a more unique song on the album, comparative to the rest of the album. Not necessarily unique in itself, right? Which it is, but yeah. The album as a whole is still just a fantastic listen. Um, it it always it always I always feel bad like complaining about a song. It's like oh, this song's not good. The album's not good. No, no it's <laughs> no mm-mm. no. This song I like. I, I want everyone I know to listen to this album, and then if they don't like it, don't tell me. I mean, I wanted to do that too, and then they just ignored my messages. So you know what? No, I would never do that. That's <laughs> <laughs> all I wanted. I'm just at least. <laughs> At least I'm the one that suggested this podcast. There so you go. I, I can say I brought this upon myself, and it's not you continuing to force music my way, which for some reason I continue to not listen to, but now I have to. It's required. <laughs> it's required listening. You can put it off until the day before the podcast. Yes. <laughs> which I'm doing. <laughs> and then I'm like, oh my God, this is so good. I can't wait to keep listening to it. <laughs> oh my God, I wish I was listening to this for a whole week so I had well thought out notes on everything. It would be great. <laughs> I'll get better, maybe. <laughs> I hope. <laughs> I, yeah. It's okay. It's, it's fine. Everything's fine. Everything's fine. We're all learning together here. <laughs> mm-hmm. That's all we have for this week. Next week will be the first. This is something I'm very excited about for this podcast is new music <laughs> so uh we record behind the curtain here we record on wednesdays new music comes out on fridays so 
I'm very excited to actually have new music coming out that we decide to listen to. So this will be these will be albums that, of course, neither of us have, have heard. They will be brand new. It will give us both a reason to listen to brand new albums, which is so easy to kind of just put off or not look for. <laughs> mm-hmm. is a, it's a classic of mine to be like, oh, they released something new in 2020. Really? And then I'm like, I'll be like excited about it for two minutes and then forget about it and then not listen to it. Mm-hmm. So uh, one thing we will be doing on the show is prioritizing uh, new albums, which also gives us something to be more critical about if we you know, don't like it as much. We could- yeah, if we decide we don't like it as much, I think it's a good way to bring in something that we're not just going to have necessarily rave reviews about. Mm-hmm. Um, we could still, but it's it's neat that it's like, this is a new album and here's how we feel about it, no matter what it is. Yeah, because outside of that, of course, I'm going to bring albums like this up where I'm like, I know Casey will like this and I like this and I want everyone to listen to it, which is not still something we're going to keep doing, obviously, and we like doing, but it will be nice to have. This would be the basically the only way for us to have something new for both of us because for the most part one of us has to bring an album to the table and it'll mostly be michael because i'm terrible about bringing new music to the table you're bad at just bringing music to the table yes (laughs) (laughs) so so anyways (laughs) next week we'll be checking out stephen wilson's brand new album the future bites um which of course by the time you hear this it will be out already it comes out in two days i'm very excited about it it was supposed to come out last year, but there was a pandemic going on. There still is a pandemic going on, but, you know, this new music. Very excited about that. <laughs> and it will not be the last time a Stephen Wilson record is reviewed on this show, if I had it my way. <laughs> oh, no. You, yeah. <laughs> Stephen Wilson is a name that I know well because Michael mentions it a lot. <laughs> I can't. I, it, it's, <laughs> it's very rare for one artist to have such a commanding um, spot in all my like top 10 albums list. <laughs> so it's always like, it's always, it's exciting for me because, you know, it's not like something where it's like the Beatles where you're like, well, it's like, I really love the Beatles. It's like, you're getting, you aren't getting any new Beatles records. So for me, it's like, here's an artist. Oh, I, really? Yeah, I know. <laughs> it's like, here's an artist that you hold jet. I mean, you probably like more stuff from this artist than the Beatles. So for new music to still be coming out um, with it is always exciting. Yeah, I look forward to listening to it. I think it's I think it's neat that we're both going to go, be going into this not having heard it. I mean, you're going to you definitely have a much stronger background in what Stephen Wilson has already produced, and I know I've listened to him because I remember listening to one of the albums he sent over. This was one I didn't ignore. <laughs> well, this that there was a time back when we had an, uh, another podcast uh, where we did album Oh, of, the old yes. Where we did album of the week and I but we didn't review the album as much. We were, I, it was more of an excuse to have like five minutes on the show. And sometimes people listen to the album. Yes. And this was one of the ones I did listen to. I was wondering why. And it's because it was part of a podcast. So I had to, it was required listening, <laughs> even though, yes, much shorter. This, this podcast is a, uh, a spinoff of that tiny segment. Now you have to listen to the album more than once. Yes, more than once and take detailed notes, which I did do. I did do for one very specific album. We're not reviewing that one now. No, that's later. <laughs> so sad. I missed that album. I actually, actually, what's funny is after we, I finished Titanic Rising, that was an album that came to my mind. And I don't really know why. Motifs. Um, you said it. Yeah, it's motifs. Like, yeah. 
Yeah, it's the, it's the motifs. It's oh yeah, because like yeah, things that call music that calls back to other songs and lines through it. Yeah. Yep. So, oh, I, I know. Makes complete sense. <laughs> so well, that's that's all we have for you. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed the show, please leave us a rating in Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. We do appreciate it. Talk to you next week, and we'll catch you on the B-side.